I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. As you do there, let me introduce to you very quickly. I always do this whenever there's a guest minister in the house. Uh, we have Andrew and Jen Sheldon, who are good friends of mine all the way from Minnesota, that I met on the road as an evangelist many, many years ago. And uh, they're here and uh, just hanging out with us for the week. And whenever there's another minister in the house, I always like to acknowledge them and welcome them. And so it's good to have you with us, Andrew and Jen. Philippians chapter 4, the title of the message is simply this, The God Who Supplies. How many of you are grateful for a God who supplies? We watched the uh, first video of Robert Morris last week, and so I didn't get to do the usual review to make sure that you're keeping in front of you kind of the key principles of this series, just simply entitled Provision. It's based on 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. And if you remember what we've talked about, that three things flow from His power and also His person. Being in connection with Him, abiding in Him, tapping into Him as your power source. There are three things that flow within your life, that kind of usher in the provision of God. You'll see it up on the screen, and that is, there is a perspective to embrace. How many of you know that you can get into God's presence, and one of the, the graces of His presence is simply this. He will change the way that you see something, and a change of perspective will produce a release of peace in your life. So there is a perspective that you can embrace. There's always, though, also a principle to apply. That God has designed us to partner with Him in the principles of His Word. And when we do that, there is a promise to receive. And so look at it on the screen one more time. There is a perspective to embrace, a principle to apply, and a promise to receive. That is how provision flows in your life. And remember, the whole point of this series is simply this. God has made provision for every problem that you face and every purpose that he has called you to fulfill. God has made provision for you and I. It is who he is. So Philippians chapter 4 is another passage on his provision. It says this. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. This is Paul speaking. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now get this. We all know this passage of scripture. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Or you might know it this way. And my God shall supply... All of your needs according to his riches in glory. My God shall supply. My God will supply. Notice there, Paul did not put that in context of a maybe. It was a declarative promise from the scripture that when you're faithful unto the Lord, you can take it to the bank. Okay, that may not be a great pun there. But you can count on 
the nature and the character of God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. You'll see it come up on the screen. You'll see that God's provision, listen to this, and this is what Paul is getting at, to this church who has amply supplied needs for him in his ministry. This is what we're going to discover this morning. You'll see that God's provision is based on his proven love, his providential care, and his principle of sowing and reaping. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and his glory. How do you put the shall in it? How do you absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're able to look into your life, you're able to testify to your children We've been talking a lot about the next generation. How do you look at the next generation and look at them with confidence and say, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. That you can count on it as part of the character of God. This is how. Number one, because he has proved that through his love. It's who he is. Look at it one more time. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Think about that word riches just for a moment. Is what Paul's saying, based on all the riches that God has in heaven. Based on the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. Is that what it's based on, the riches of heaven? Is it based on... A street of gold that has been paved? Is it based on the pearly gates of heaven? Is that what it's based on? No, 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 no. Listen, you have confidence in the provision of the Lord, not based on what he has, but who he is. That is not just materialistic in nature, it's based on, listen to this, a very rich character. That he extends to you. Think about it this way. Look at Romans chapter 2 verse 4 just for a moment. Or do you show contempt? Here's that word again. For the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience. Not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. Here is a main point for today. Listen to this. God's character is rich towards you. Not just in what he does, not just in how he supplies it always on time, but the very nature of God is rich toward you and I. He is rich in his mercy. He is rich in his love. He is rich in his grace. He's rich. Romans 9.23 speaks of the riches of his glory. Romans 11.33 speaks of the riches of his wisdom and sovereignty. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Ephesians chapter 1 speaks about the riches of his grace. Paul says that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Grasp this. Your God that you serve is rich. Not just in who he has, but in who he is. He is rich. Let me illustrate it this way. Josh, we're kind of car guys. I like to dream a little bit with Josh about the kind of cars that he and I would like to have one day. 
And so in turning 16, I asked Josh, Josh, what car would you like daddy to buy you? Send me a picture of the car. And this is what he sent me. It's a Lamborghini. (laughs) To which I said to him, what you have in your riches is based on what I have in my riches. Send me another picture. A little more used and not a Lamborghini. Okay, listen. It's a direct kind of car that he's going to drive. Is in direct relationship to who I am, to what I have. Okay, you need to hear this. Okay? I'm going to get him a used F-150. But God has a Lamborghini for you. And if you quote me out of context with what I just said, I'm talking about the riches of his love. Talking about the riches of his mercy. Talking about the riches of his grace. The value of who he is. Listen, it's rich towards you. And some of us, listen, we say amen to that. Paul says something totally different. You know what he says? He says, God is so rich towards you that I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. In other words, Paul is saying this, God is rich towards you. And you go, "Uh uh-huh, amen. He says, no, 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 you've got to understand. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit of God awakens your awareness of how rich his love and mercy and grace and peace and power, all that is towards you. That he is so rich. That Listen to this. Paul says your spiritual eyes have to be opened to the wealth of his character extended towards you. I like movies that are all about buried treasure. So I'm going to show you an image, a couple of images on the screen. And I'm going to let you guess what the movie is. All of these have hidden treasures. Here's the first one. Goonies. Okay, take that disturbing picture down. That's slot. Rocky Road. Come on, y'all got to get. Okay, here's the next one. Here's the next one. There it is. Okay, this is where my preaching falls apart because I cannot remember which one of these movies this story comes from. But I remember whenever they finally get to the end, they think they're at treasure. It's in a series of caves and it's dark and they light a torch. And it, is that national treasure? Thank you. And it lights treasure up right around them. And then they pass on the torch. And the more they do, they light up cave after cave after cave after cave of riches that's available to them. This is what Paul is saying. 
That God is so rich in his love and mercy and character that the spiritual eyes of your heart must be enlightened. In other words, there is another cave. Just when you think you have discerned that God loves you, there is another cave called his goodness. And then there's another cave of his mercy. And then there's another cave of his power. And Paul is saying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to the depths of his riches over your life. How many of you are grateful that God's character towards you, listen to this, is not shallow, it is deep. So it ties into point number two, God's provision flows, here it is, from his providential care. You say, what is that all about? Now listen to this. Here's a good definition of God's providence. It's God's continual, active, and get this, on-time care for his people even when you can't see it. How do I know that God shall supply all of my needs? How do I know that God's going to come through with me? Here's why. Because God's providence is at work in your life if you're a believer. God's continual active care is always at work for his people. And here is the last line for you to circle. Even when you cannot see it, God is at work on your behalf. My God shall supply all of my needs. Why? Because God might see stuff that you don't see. God may know things that you don't know. And God, if you believe in a God of the Bible who desires to be present and active in the midst of his creation, then you realize that God's providence over your life is much more strong and steadfast and secure than what you even realize. His providence usually has two categories. The first one you'll see up on the screen is his preservation. You know what it is? Listen, God's providence sustains you. Have you ever been through a season before where all hell has broken out against you and you've walked through it And you've looked back and went, I have no idea how we made it through that. You ever had that happen before? Let me tell you how it happened. As a believer, God sustains you. That even in the midst of you feeling like giving up, God never gave up on you. He continued to work on your behalf. He continued to uphold you. He continued to be a refuge for you. He continued to guide you. In the midst of all the chaos, God was remaining clear and firm in his character over you. He sustains you and I. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. This is where, listen, in the midst of your life, confusion, chaos, darkness, God, where are you? I can't make sense of all of this. This is the passage of scripture that says one word from heaven can change everything. Look at Psalm 36, I love what David said, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. Oh Lord, you preserve both man and beast. David says God preserves both man and beast. Or if you're a beast of a man, God preserves you. 
that his providence is at play. Colossians 1.17 says that Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. Listen, you want to write something down? Write this down. I can hold it together because my God holds it all together. He sustains me. Aren't you grateful for the riches of his grace and mercy and his strength that is beyond you? Some of you right now, you're in a season of weakness and you're despising that season. And God says, in the midst of your weakness, I'm going to show myself strong. Listen, the, the end of you is the beginning of God. Oh, the depths and riches, the goodness and the grace of God. But listen, his providence also means on-time provision. How many of you believe that God is at work in your life behind the scenes? Raise your hand. How many of you are grateful for that? Okay, now let me ask it this way. This would be where all the religious people raise their hand, but I really want you to think about this. How many of you are grateful for what you can't see God doing? Let me give you a couple of examples. How about Abraham and Isaac? How about 25 years had gone by, and now Abraham has had Isaac. This is a great story of providential care. Of God's provision. 25 years goes by. Isaac is finally born. His name means laughter. And God tests him by saying, go up to this mountain called Moriah and sacrifice your one and only son. 25 years. The name Isaac means laughter. And Abraham looks in obedience and says, son, we've got to go to the top of a mountain. And I'm going to put the wood on your back For an offering, and we're going to walk up. You know what's happening behind the scenes? It is a picture of Jesus. He's carrying the wood up. At one point, Isaac looks up and says, "Um, where's the offering? Abraham says, the Lord will provide. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Listen, if I'm Abraham, I am taking my time getting to the top of the mountain. We're throwing rocks. We're playing a little football. My God shall supply. Let's continue to walk. Now get this. The name Moriah means the land of vision. Now think about this just for a moment. My God shall supply all of our needs according to, where's the sacrifice at? Where's the offering at, Dad? It's a good question. My God shall supply. It was the mountain of vision. Okay, here it is. We don't live by sight. We live by what? Faith. My God shall supply. When you trust in the provision of God, here it is. You are trusting that as you walk up one side of the mountain, the ram that was going to become the offering is walking up the other side. My God will supply. Well, where is it at, Dad? 
My God will supply. I, I don't see it yet. My God will supply. I don't live by sight. I live by faith in the character and nature of God. And as I walk up one side of the mountain faithfully, I'm trusting that God is walking the ram up on the other side. Why? Because he's providential in his care. How many of you would say this? It always seems like God is right on time. And really what you're saying is, God's late according to my timetable. But he's always on time. My God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Let's continue. His provision is based on his principle of sowing and reaping. Okay, let me ask the question. Has God proven his love over your life, yes or no? Has God been rich over your life, yes or no? Have the layers of his mercy been deep? Has his character been sustaining in the midst of your greatest battles? Okay, then he's also given us a principle called the law of sowing and reaping. Here's the beauty about the Bible. This is really fascinating, if you'll get this in your spirit, is that God has called you and I to partnership. You can get that. He's called us to partner with his principles in order to see the provision of God manifested in our life. How does that happen? Here's one, sowing and reaping. It is a principle. There's three different contexts. You say, well, it seemed like this was about money. Oh, no, 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 no. No, there's three contexts, listen, of sowing and reaping. The first one is about finances. Paul says, speaking of another financial moment, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That yes, in the midst of finances, the law of sowing and reaping is absolutely true. Malachi 3.10, we've talked about it last week. But get this as well, that there's another context. And that is pleasing the flesh or pleasing the spirit. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. There's another declarative statement. My God will supply. Here's another one. God cannot be mocked. In other words, a man reaps what he sows. It is a Universal law. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Listen to this. Your day-to-day life is a series of connected moments whereby you're either sowing to please the Spirit or sowing to please the flesh. Here it is. Every time you sow into the Spirit, There is life and peace. And every time you sow into the flesh, there's expressions of death in your life. Think about how you respond to your spouse. Spirit or flesh? How many of you married people would say, yeah, it's a choice. How you respond to your kids when they're knuckleheads? Spirit or flesh? Where you keep your eyes at? Spirit or flesh. Choosing to be 
connected and abiding in the Holy Spirit and doing the hard thing, even when your flesh is crying out for something else and you choose to put that to death and choose God, it's a law of sowing and reaping. And here's what Paul says. God cannot be mocked. You sow to please the Spirit, and from that you will reap peace and life. You sow to please the flesh, and from that you reap expressions of death. And there is a choice to make. Kind of reminds me of when I was traveling. I remember this story. I was preaching, and there was a worship leader. Uh, I think it was, y'all remember uh, Jeff Dio? I could sing of your love forever. Okay, I'm really dating myself, maybe. Yeah, great song. Nobody remembers it, but you remember? Okay, okay. Hey, we should do that. Don't do it. <laughs> and we went out to eat afterwards, and I ordered my fried chicken, and he ordered a salad. And uh, I said, hey, Jeff, you're going to starve tonight in the hotel. You should eat more. He said, no, I've lost 20 pounds. I went, oh, man, how did you do that? You know, that's what we always want to know when somebody loses weight. Okay. It ain't rocket science. Like, you stop eating as much, and maybe you exercise. How did you do that? It's a great mystery. How, do you, how does one lose weight? said, I, I started treating. said, I lead worship for thousands and thousands of people. And I decided to treat every bite as an act of worship. And here I am looking at my fried chicken. <laughs> every bite. Every bite. Here it is. Every thought. Every action. Every reaction, it's the opportunity to choose the Lord. It's sowing and it's reaping. And then the third usage, listen, is just simply to continue to do good. This is where we know Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Do not grow weary in doing what? Good. For at the proper time you will receive a harvest if you do not what? Give up. If you do not give up, do not grow weary in doing what? In other words, here it is. Sometimes you've just got to keep walking up the mountain. You just have to continue. Listen, God is not worried about the provision. My God shall supply. It is a declarative statement about the character of God who is rich in, rich in all of his character. It will happen. The question is not the provision. Sometimes the question is our persistency. Do not grow weary in doing what is right, in doing what is good. Can I say it to you this way? Listen, we need to stop giving up so early. Don't grow weary in doing good. Has God said it? Yes. Then keep doing good. Has, is God's word true? Yes or no? 
then keep doing what is right and what is good. I don't see a return yet on my investment emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, physically. What's the answer? Don't grow weary in doing good. Just keep walking up the mountain. For here it is. At the proper time, providential time, the time that God has appointed that somehow sovereignly works into your obedience. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. I mean, if you're grateful for the provision of God. Here it is. Worship team, come back. Just some key takeaways very quickly. Number one, it's internal. I told you this before. I'm going to tell you it again. When it comes to the application of God's word, there are internal measures and there are external measures. There's belief about God, and then there's behaving God's way. And you need both. Here's a belief. I really need to believe that God wants to take care of me. I really need to be convinced that his riches are not shallow and just enough. That he loves you with a deep love. That he's gracious to you with a deep grace. How many of you know the scripture? That his mercies are new every morning. How can you say that? Morning after morning, I wake up to the newness of the Lord. Yesterday was miserable. Yet today, there's mercy. Why is that? Because his mercy is rich towards you. I really need to believe that God is rich toward me. Number two, here it is. I said it last week. Let me say it again. Do not worry. Walk. My God shall supply. Have I said it enough yet? My God shall supply. It is not my job to worry. It's my job to just keep walking. Just keep walking. Whatever the area it is, keep sowing and reaping. Specific to finances. Listen, remember we ultimately don't give so that we can get rich. We give because he's already been rich to us. We give because God is so rich in his character toward us. Here it is. Keep your motive pure and keep your methods biblical. Remain faithful with your tithe and offering. Do your part. So that God can just do his big part. Did you hear that? During worship, this is how I want to end this morning. We sang the song earlier, God of the Breakthrough. It's a great song. I love the song. But it's amazing to me, listen, how many of our songs are future focused. In other words, it's about what God is going to do for us in the future. And it's true. Breakthrough may be coming. I guess this is what I want to declare to you. Breakthrough is here. Breakthrough is now. That God has given His Word. God has given us His power. God has given us His rich character. So that why? We can experience who God is right now. That means if you need freedom, guess what? It can be right now. You need forgiveness 
It's not tomorrow. Forgiveness is for today and right now. You need healing? How about now? I remember God speaking to me one time and saying, Mike, if I'm a today God, why are you living like I'm a tomorrow God? Do you believe that God can do something in his providential care for your life even right now? Do you believe that God can lift a weight off of your shoulders even right now? Do you believe that God loves you and cares for you enough that his mercy and grace is rich in his layers of expression towards you and that God can do it right now? Bow your heads with me, would you?